universe has been recovering for a thousand years in a state of unusual peace. But deep within the confines of space, a disturbance begins to swirl. It begins slowly, but something is brewing. It is within this interruption of harmony that our story begins, and the universe silently plots to prepare for war. Earth, 2021. We close in on a young girl sleeping in her bed. Her pink sheets are pulled close up to her eyes as she rolls in bed. Her phone on the pastel bedside table reads 7.45. She should have been up 15 minutes ago. Her phone starts to blare butter by BTS as the alarm attempts futilely to wake her. As the chorus of the song drops, the young teen slowly blinks her eyes open. With a sigh, she reaches over and silences the alarm. Huffing loudly, she glances at the time. A gasp hits her. I'm gonna be late! The suddenly spry girl leaps out of her bed and rushes to get herself presentable for the first day of school. She silently praises herself for leaving her obnoxiously long pink hair in their odongos as she had gone to sleep, even if she were just reaping the benefits of being too lazy last night to undo her buns. She throws on her school uniform and rushes downstairs to grab her lunch from the kitchen, where her mother greets her by holding out a bag for her to grab. Really, Usagi? You're going to be late for another first day of school? I know. I'm sorry. Usagi grabs her lunch from her mother, gives the matriarch a quick kiss on the cheek, and is already bounding towards the front door. Thanks, Mom. Ikuko shakes her head as she turns her attention toward the morning news in the small kitchen television, where a broadcast of the town's personal superhero is being praised by the media. Once again, Jibin was saved last night thanks to the incredible superhero known only as Sailor V. She stopped a jewelry store robbery in the Jibin shopping district, where witnesses say a melted-looking monster was attempting to acquire priceless jewels. In the two months that Sailor V has arrived in town, police involvement in citywide crime has decreased. Now, why can't Usagi be more like that? Making haste to school, Usagi runs the entire way, only to make it on time by seconds before her teacher ambles up behind her. Really, Usagi? Starting another year, and you're almost late for homeroom. Sorry, Miss Sakurada. I won't make it a habit this year. Better that you don't, Miss Tsukino. Please take your seat. She takes her seat as the teacher tells them about what they can expect from this school year. Usagi slides into her usual seat next to her best friend. The girl has wavy brown hair that barely reaches her shoulders and eyes of a pleasant shade of emerald. Her usual pleasantness has been replaced by uncharacteristic annoyance. Could you manage to be on time for once? I'm sorry, okay? I'm gonna do my best to be better. Don't give up on me. It would just be nice to have a best friend that's on time. Naru, don't be so dramatic. Anyway, my mom's having a massive jewelry sale down at the store this evening. You wanna come? Are you kidding? I would love to. Will you girls stop chit-chatting? Sorry, sorry Miss Sakurada. Sakurada. Haruna turns towards the board and mutters to herself. Ugh, this is why I drink. Somewhere far away from Juban lies a dark castle deep within the tundra of the Arctic. It is here that true evils dwell, evils that threaten to interrupt the peace among the universe. Inside the obsidian adorned walls, in the heart of the castle, is a woman smiling at her reflection. Moreover, she is not something as simple as a woman. She was a woman, long before being hidden underneath the ice as she is now. Now, she's somewhere in between monster and maiden, halfway between natural and unnatural. Looking at herself in her bedroom's full-length mirror, she prefers herself this way. 
Her bright red hair falls in waves down past her shoulders and most of her back. Her signature purple dress clings provocatively against her skin. Her blood-orange eyes gleam with the magical energy that made her this hybrid creature. And her long red-nailed fingers graze across the pair of sister horns embedded in her shoulders. She is a vision, creature or no creature, with jewels laid across her neck. She is the true queen. She eyes her surroundings as she rips herself away from the gold mirror. The entire bedroom is laid in a royal purple, much like her dress. It is a room befitting a queen, with gold detailing, a lavish four-poster bed, and furnishings the likes of which Cleopatra may have taken to. Seems only right that she should possess such things. A knock on the door tears her away from admiring herself. Come in. The door opens to reveal a womanly creature. Pardon the intrusion, Queen Beryl. Ah, oh, Morga. What is it? She strides across her dark purple rug and meets Morga at the door. Morga is a true creature, a creation of their supreme ruler. Beryl herself helped craft them by the hand of her mentor. Each of their creatures have the same base features. It was Beryl's idea to give them one defining change, something to set them apart, a power. Morga herself is a brown-haired creature with beady yellow eyes, a feminine frame. What set Morga apart was her tree trunk-like skin. It allowed her to grow parts of her body, stretching her arms or making herself bigger than she actually was. It even enabled her to change her skin to mirror the identity of someone else. It was a very useful power that had served the Dark Kingdom well in the past. Beryl smiles at Morga's hunter green dress. At least the fact that the creature had some fashion sense made it much easier to have her within Beryl's close ranks. Jadeite has returned. Finally. Thank you, Morga. I shall join you both in the throne room shortly. As soon as Morga shuts the door, Beryl glides toward her vanity. She picks up a gold-framed picture that sits next to her obsidian-handled hairbrush. She strokes the face of the man in the picture fondly. Once we find the silver crystal, I'm coming for you, my prince. In the throne room, the aforementioned Shadeite waits with Morga. He is a tall man with a moderate frame. His short, pale blonde hair lays closely cropped upon his head. His gray eyes tell of horrid tales and muffled screams. Morga always regarded him carefully. Jadeite was always the most uptight of Beryl's generals, a type A man with type B intelligence. Suddenly, he looks at Morga with disdain scribbled loudly on his face. Any particular reason you're still here? <laughs> Queen Beryl told me not to depart until I'm dismissed. Since when? Since a certain general started making so many mistakes. Beryl glides into the room, a cascading wave of purple beauty. Her wavy red hair looked to Jadeite as if it was on fire, a mane of fire for a molten core. Beryl ushers the two throne attendants out of the room and tells them to close the door behind them. She takes her place in the black and red obsidian throne, smiling as she regarded them both warmly. Jadeite knew better. There was an anger in Beryl's eyes and he had to think fast to settle her qualms. Jadeite bows at her, and Morga is quick to follow. My queen! Thank you both for the courtesy. Jadeite waits for Morga to be dismissed, but she remains as loyal as ever, and Beryl seemed to allow her attendance to this meeting. Queen Beryl, the creature here! Morga will leave when I deem her presence no longer necessary, Jadeite. Do I detect some level of disobedience from you? Jadeite bites his tongue. Clearly he made a mistake in questioning today's audience. Forgive me, my queen. I simply wanted to relay information without the possibility of unneeded ears. That is of no concern to you. Leave that to me. I command the Dark Kingdom. As you wish. So, Jadeite, tell me. 
what excuse do you have this time as to why you have yet to acquire the Silver Crystal? The creature, formerly known as Balm, has been eliminated. Our attempt to search for the Silver Crystal was once again thwarted by that sailor-suited brat, Sailor V. Queen Barrow curses loudly, her discontent reverberating off of the gemstone-imbued walls. That damned Sailor V. It's bad enough that she ended our beloved generals while we were searching for the Silver Crystal in London. Now that we followed her here to Japan, there's no doubt in my mind. She must know where the crystal is. Perhaps we're getting warmer. Her sightings have been more frequent. Might I suggest another tactic, Your Majesty? Our Supreme Ruler was very specific about the jewelry stores, Jadeite. In this time period, it would be the most likely establishment to house the crystal. Beryl looks away and prods her fingers on the arms of the throne, sighing deeply. But even I admit, it feels to be futile. A slightly different tactic may be in order. Jadeite smiles. Finally, Queen Beryl was taking his suggestions seriously. Maybe he wasn't as bad off with her as he had previously thought. Morga? Yes, my queen? You will accompany Jadeite in his next jewelry store raid. What?! Balm was a low-level creature, not many versatile powers, but Morga here has advantages that can help you clear out the jewels faster. Queen Beryl, please, I- Plus, I prefer to keep extra eyes on you. It's deserted. Hear me when I say this, Jadeite. I won't tolerate much more failures from you. Do you want to end up like your dear brother? Jadeite winces internally. How dare she use Dan Barite against him? And having Morga come along was extra salt in the wound of his superiority. But when Beryl made up her mind, there was nothing else to do but oblige. As you wish. Good. Because if my assumptions are correct, and Sailor V is one of the reincarnated guardians, we have to find the crystal before she awakens the rest of them. Make haste with this mission, Jadeite. Your life may just depend on it. At once, my queen. You're both dismissed. With a stain of annoyance on his face, Jadeite walks in unison with Morga out of the throne room, closing the double doors behind them. He looks to Morga with a quick twitch. You may be tasked on this mission, creature, but remember that you obey my orders. Of course, Master Jadeite. Jadeite walks away, and as he does so, a creeping, sinister smile melds across Morga's face, looking forward to satiating her bloodlust in the name of the Dark Kingdom. Back in Juban, Usagi is thankful that the first day of sophomore year has come to an end. She walks down the hall with Naru. As they exit the school, Usagi tosses her backpack, a pink one with a rabbit embossed over most of it, on her shoulder. I'm so excited for the jewelry store later. I just have to run home and change first. Okay, but don't take too long. You know how much I love to be kept waiting. Oh, Naru! Meet me there at 5 o'clock, okay? Suddenly, a nerdy boy with an athletic build pops out of nowhere and steps into stride with the girls, earning yelps from the pair. He has brown hair obnoxiously spiked with hair gel and the biggest Coke bottle glasses in history. He smiles at them despite their yelling at his abrupt attendance. Where are we meeting at 5 o'clock, girls? Umino! What? You don't need to jump at us like that! Besides, it's just me and Usagi who have plans. You're not coming. Wait, why not? Ugh, because you're annoying. <laughs> no more annoying than Usagi. You call me annoying when she's such a crybaby? Hey, I am not. Okay, you got me there. Naru, how could you? Usagi starts to sob, leading to Umino's laughter. Naru struggles to pick her poison. 
Alright, alright. We're meeting at my mom's jewelry store. Umino, you can come. Yay! And Usagi, cut it out, will ya? We're sophomores now. We can't go around school crying our eyes out over nothing. Fine. I know who I am, and I make no apologies for it. Umino and Naru laugh, much to Usagi's chagrin, but eventually she joins in as well. As the three friends part ways, Usagi bids them farewell and promises not to be late. She begins to run, trying her best to keep her promise to Naru as she sprints down an alley. While dashing down the shortcut, she almost steps on a black mass in the middle of the road. She almost regards it as trash and keeps going, but on further inspection, she wails tragically. It's a cat, horribly taken care of and in need of TLC. Oh, you poor thing. Usagi picks up the cat and it mews at her faintly, its eyes bobbing. She sees a band-aid on its forehead and quickly removes it. As soon as she does, the cat's fur smooths itself out. Its eyes are open and alert. The cat is still dirty, but it's as if the cat is miraculously cured of whatever ailed it previously. Almost like magic. That's when Usagi notices something on the cat's head, previously obscured by the band-aid. It's a perfectly filled-in yellow crescent moon, turned upwards so it looks like a smile. The cat jumps out of her arms and runs like it hadn't been struggling to breathe moments ago. The cat looks at her with almost human emotion behind her eyes. You alright? The cat meows, and Usagi swears she can hear the cat's voice saying thank you in her head. Then, it hits her. Usagi grabs her head as a migraine rings true. She closes her eyes and sees a flash of images that don't make sense. The light of the moon, an ornate white dress, and the words Silver Millennium are constantly repeated by a male voice in her head. And just like that, it's gone. And the only thing Usagi sees when she opens her eyes is the ground. The cat has vanished. What the hell was that? She glances at her phone. She needs to hurry or else she will break her promise. Huh? I'm gonna be late! Usagi sprints home as fast as she can, all while turning over the misplaced images in the voice that lingers deep within her mind, waiting to break through the surface. By sheer miracle, Usagi isn't late to meet Naru and Umino at all. Naru could cry, she's so happy. Usagi walks up to them, taking in the sheer size of the crowd that had shown up to Osupi Jewelry Store, owned by Naru's mother, Mayumi Asaka. Word had gotten out about the massive jewelry sale, and everyone in Juban wanted their shot at beautiful gems. As the crowd bustles to get in and out of the store, Usagi reaches her friends. Wow, this is way crazier than I thought it would be. I know. I thought it was just going to be a small drive in price, but once I got home from school, my mom said she was slashing everything way below sale price. I don't know what's gotten into her this afternoon. Yeah! Come on, let's go inside! The friends haphazardly make their way through the citizens of Juban and begin to browse. Usagi has her eye on a ruby when she looks up at a handsome guy around her age. His jet black hair seems to shimmer, and his deep blue eyes speak of the ocean in a way that has her transfixed. She watches as he approaches one of the store employees. Excuse me, I'm looking for a very particular jewel. Can you help me? I have no idea what it looks like exactly, but it's called the Mystical Silver Crystal. The mystical silver crystal. That phrase hits Usagi's head with another migraine so powerful that she falls to her knees with a small scream. Her hands fly to her head as she sees more images and sounds different from the ones before. A woman's maniacal laughter, clothed in shadow. The sounds of something crumbling around her. A white cape laying in a pool of blood. So much blood. Usagi opens her eyes to see the handsome man crouching next to her. Are you okay, miss? Weirdly, just looking into those ocean eyes makes her feel better. Her mind softens and her migraine evades her yet again. He helps her to her feet and she gives him a smile. I am now. Thank you. Pushing through a pair of customers fighting over a necklace marked down from $300 to $13, Naru and Umino join them with worried looks on their faces. Are you okay, Usagi? I'm better now. This kind gentleman helped me up. 
The handsome stranger smiles at her friends, and then back at Usagi. It was nothing, really. I'm glad you're alright. But if you'll excuse me, I have to get going. This place doesn't have what I need. What is it you need? My mom owns this place. Maybe I can find it for you? I'm looking for something called the Mystical Silver Crystal. Ever heard of it? No, sorry. I can't say I have. It sounds important. Is it a family heirloom? Actually, I don't know. I can't really explain it. I... I just know I need it. Naru and Umino exchange worried glances, but Usagi is smitten with the newcomer. There was just something about his energy that made Usagi feel happy. How could that be when she had never laid eyes on him before? I hope you find your crystal. He picks up on the hint and gives her a grin. Mamoru, I'm Mamoru Chiba. He holds out his hand to Usagi. Usagi Tsukino, nice to meet you. She reaches out to shake his hand. The moment their hands touch, Usagi feels a warm rush that shocks her. It was like the migraine flashes, images and sounds and smells coming to her. But this time, her eyes were open and she felt no pain. The smell of roses, the sound of a man's laughter, the feel of a kiss, and then blood. So much blood. They both pull back their hands at the same time, recoiling. Usagi takes in the scared look on Mamoru's face. She can't explain how she knows, but she does. He's experiencing the same exact thing as she is, at the exact same time. Uh, I... I have to go. Mamoru leaves in a hurry, running out of the store before Usagi can protest. She looks in his direction for what seems like ages, wishing he would have stayed. What was happening to her? All these things playing through her head, these migraines that were so painful one second and gone the next. What did it mean? And why did the idea of Mamoru Chiba calm them? Are you okay, Usagi? Yeah, what really happened? A migraine. A really strong one that made my legs sway. Mamoru was there to help me when I fell. And you're better now? Yes, I promise. Okay, well, I'm sorry for dragging you guys here. I thought it would be fun, but it's just really hectic. I think I'm just gonna head upstairs to the apartment and ride out the hysteria. Are you sure? Positive. You guys head home. Sorry it was such a bust. No worries, Naru. See you in the morning. See ya. Usagi and Umino leave Osapi, the latter looking really worrisome. Naru looked really upset. You think it's because her mom is doing this crazy intense sale? Yeah, I think so. Hopefully it'll die down soon. I'll catch you later, Umino. I want to head home in case another migraine hits me. Take care of yourself, Usagi. And please, be careful going home. I will. See you tomorrow. They took their separate ways down opposing sides of the Juban shopping district. Usagi replays all the migraine things in her head. What was going on? The sights and sounds scare her. And didn't all of this start right after she tried to help that cat? Had she caught something from it? She starts running. Whatever it was, the only thing that seemed to curb her worry was thinking about Mamoru. Mamoru Chiba. His ocean orbs keep her safe as she runs and runs and runs, hoping that she will never see that cat, or another migraine, again. A few hours later, Mayumi Asaka ushers the last customer out of the Osapi jewelry store. She has already let her staff go home for the night, and was taking care of any stragglers from the sale herself. As soon as she clicks the front door closed, Jadeite fades into the room from a shadow in the corner. About time. It takes time to deal with customers. You can drop the voice, though I do appreciate your commitment to this role. Mayumi turns around, rolls her eyes, and shifts her jaw. Her appearance remains as Mayumi Asaka, but her voice is that of another. <laughs> Whatever it takes to get the silver crystal. So, any sign of it through the sale of all these useless jewels? 
Nothing. I'm beginning to wonder if the woman kept more coveted items upstairs in her apartment. Then what are you waiting for? Get up there and look before Beryl calls us back. Morna grits her teeth, but nods. Right away, Master Jadeite. Jadeite slips into the shadows and disappears in the way he does, earning an eye roll from the creature. Morga, still disguised as Mayumi, saunters to the back of the store and finds the elevator. After a quick ride up to the top floor, Morga enters Mayumi's bedroom and begins to turn it over. She briefly feels a wave of panic. Jadeite was a pain in the ass, but he was right. If they returned to the Dark Kingdom without the crystal, Morga feared the wrath that Beryl would enact upon them. Beryl was getting restless, and in that restlessness, she was getting dangerously impatient. Mom? Morga with her head to the open bedroom door, seeing Mayumi's teenage daughter standing there earnestly. She's dressed in yellow pajamas, and Morga rolls her eyes as she shifts her jaw, settling back into Mayumi's tone. <laughs> Go back to bed, dear. But what are you doing? Looking for a certain jewel. A customer was asking about it tonight. Couldn't find it. Just go back to bed. It was a convincing lie, so Morgo was instantly angry when Naru didn't recede from the doorframe. Oh, is it the one called the Mystical Silver Crystal? Morgo's heart skips several beats. She is so taken aback that her real voice speaks for her. What do you know about the Mystical Silver Crystal? Mom, what's wrong with you? What's going on with the sale, and why is your voice suddenly so different? Morga outstretches both hands, flying across the room until they grab hold of Naru's shoulders, and pulls her into the bedroom. Before Naru can scream, Morga uses one hand to hold her in place and the other to swiftly slam the door shut. Naru begins to scream, and Morga laughs as she walks up to the teenager, her arms slowly returning to their normal length. Mom, what's going on? Morga cackles, looking into Naru's eyes as she pins her to the wall. <laughs> oh dear child, I'm not your mommy. Morga begins to shift before the young girl, her skin changed from the unblemished flesh that adorned Mayumi's body to an exterior that would have belonged to the trunk of a tree. Her skin is instantly replaced by a green-brown bark, her fingers become twisted tree roots, and her eyes are glowing red orbs that sink into the tree bark with wild contrast. Naru sobs again and again, and Morga revels in the sound of her screams. Now tell me what you know about the mystical silver crystal. At the Tsukino household, Usagi is putting the finishing touches in her nighttime routine. Now that she's freshly showered, added a cute pink nail polish that matches her hair, and fabulously neglected her homework, she's ready to jam to her favorite K-pop. With her bunny pajamas on and her AirPods in, Usagi dances around her room while Boombaya by Blackpink rages in her ears. She's halfway through the song when she catches a figure out of the corner of her eye. In the doorway, she sees her little brother laughing, his cell phone in his hand, pointed right at her. He's four years younger than her. Her, has yellow okra hair and a knack for annoying his sister. She slides an airpod out of her ear. Shingo, you better delete that video right now! Yeah, right, this is gonna go viral on TikTok. Usagi lunges after him, and he retreats down the hall, heading for his bedroom. You better delete that! Usagi thinks of running after her brother and forcing him to delete the video he obviously took of her dancing, but yet another figure catches in her peripheral vision. She looks over at her bedroom window, which she previously opened, and just beneath it, sitting perfectly still on the windowsill, is the cat from earlier. The same exact cat that she tried to help in the alley after school. The black cat looks at her knowingly, Usagi's eyes lingering on that upturned crescent moon shape on her furry little forehead. It's you! Hello, Usagi. Usagi screams as the cat talks. The black cat actually talks. Its mouth opens and words come out, just like a human. Usagi reaches for a nearby object, wrapping her hands around her math book, and tosses it at the cat. It quickly dodges it, and Usagi swears she watches as the cat rolls its blue eyes at her. 
Will you stop screaming and throwing things? We don't have time for this. Did I bump my head in the shower? I don't think I did. Maybe because I fell earlier and now I'm losing grip. Usagi, you're not hallucinating. Yeah, that's it. I'm hallucinating. That's the only way a cat would be talking to me and- The cat meows a feral growl and jumps at Usagi, swiping at her face a few times until Usagi feels a few scratches across her cheeks. She wails in pain as the cat jumps back on the bed and stares daggers at the teen girl. I said we don't have time. I know it may not be normal for a cat to be talking to you, but I am. And I need you to come to terms with it fast because the enemy is causing havoc as we speak. Usagi, still smoothing the scratches on her cheeks, stares at the cat. Maybe this is really happening, and even if she had fallen asleep, perhaps she should just go with it. Plus, there was the unexplained flashes she'd been getting. It all started when she helped this cat. Do you know why I've been getting the headaches? Hearing things? Of course. It's your fault, isn't it? No. I know this doesn't make sense, but if you want to save your friend Naru, we need to skip the explanation. Usagi looks visibly overcome with worry. She slowly walks a little closer to Luna. What's happening with Naru? Here, take this. A crescent moon on Luna's forehead glows vibrantly, so much so that Usagi shields her eyes. When she focuses them back on Luna, there's an object about the size of a ruler by her side. Its handle is almost the same shade of pink as Usagi's hair, and the ornament on top is in the shape of a five-pointed star, which is made of gold. Inside the star is a pink crescent moon shape, one that mirrors the symbol on the cat. What is that? This is the Moon Star Wand. It'll help you transform into someone who can help save Naru from evil. Transform? Evil? Luna, I- Later. I swear, I'll explain everything to you. Just take the Moon Star Wand and shout, Moon, Crystal, Power, Makeup! Usagi's head hurt trying to have all of this make sense, because when it came down to it, none of it did. Not one thing about this adds up, but the idea of Naru being in mortal danger kicks in for Usagi. She reaches for the wand, holds it above her head, and repeats after Luna. Moon, Crystal, Power, Makeup! Usagi is suddenly enveloped in a cocoon of energy, her eyes closing as warmth spreads over her in repeated waves. As if time is standing still, Usagi begins to transform into something more than she was previously, more than just Usagi Tsukino. She opens her eyes and she sees pink ribbons cover her arms, and then she feels a slight shift in weight as the ribbons dissipate to reveal white and gold armor, with crescent moon shapes adorned in the middle of them. The armor is lightweight and breathable metal. She looks over and sees the same thing happen to her other arm, then the pink ribbon work their way to her legs, where again white and gold armor covers them, leaving just her thighs uncovered. The ribbons then award her with a white and gold skirt that falls in waves of more breathable metal, looking like something Wonder Woman would have for her superhero outfit. Lastly, Usagi's chest is greeted by these shimmering pink ribbons as they give her more armor, this one plated in white and gold detailing with a pink center, the moon crescent upturned like it had been on the wand, a warmth spreading over her forehead as the energy from the transformation slithers away, and she's back in her bedroom once more. She instantly goes to her full-length mirror and sees the sailor-inspired armor she wears, smiling as her hand reaches to her forehead and sees a tiara nestled there comfortably. As she stares at herself, a white mask with gold trim appears in glowing orbs on her face, masking part of her features. What? What am I? You are Sailor Moon, defender of the Moon Kingdom. The Moon Kingdom? In the glass lenses of her mask, Usagi sees a flash of images. She sees Naru being attacked by a creature with tree bark skin, Naru's mouth agape in horror. Naru! I can see her! You should be able to tell where she is. It's her apartment. We have to help her. 
Out the window! Let's go! Without thinking, Usagi jumps out of her bedroom window and is astonished that she doesn't fall to the ground. She hovers just outside of her window, almost like she's flying. From the ground, Luna meows loudly. Usagi, let's go! Usagi nods, floating down to the ground and she begins to run, and the town of Juban flies past her. In a matter of seconds that should have taken almost half an hour, Usagi is right outside the front door of Osapi Jewelry Store. She hesitates, but a scream from within the building finds its way to her ears. Naru! Usagi bursts through the front doors of the jewelry store, triggering the alarm instantly. But she doesn't care. All she can think about is getting to Naru. She charges towards the stairs, but before she can reach them, a blurry figure obscures her vision, and she is hit with a massive force. Usagi grunts as she's propelled several feet backward, hitting the wall with a hard thud. She feels the pain swell in her body, but puts it aside as she centers herself and looks at her assailant. Morga stands before her, glistening with rage. Usagi doesn't see Naru anywhere, but she does notice Luna bounding out of view. And who the hell are you? Usagi stammers, looking over at Luna. Miraculously, the crescent moon on Luna's forehead begins to glow, and Usagi can hear Luna in her head, telling her what to say. And as she hears the words ringing between her ears, they sound more and more true to Usagi, almost as if she's heard them somewhere before. I am the guardian of love and justice, defender of those who can't defend themselves. I am Sailor Moon. Morga cackles maniacally. Sailor Moon, huh? What did you do to Naru? Luna prods over to the alarm system on the wall and uses her claws expertly until the alarm's bleats finally cease. Jewelry Girl is taking a nap upstairs. Don't worry, she's as alive as her feeble mother in the basement. For now. Usagi, as Sailor Moon, you have powerful attacks. You must fight this monster. But I don't know how. All of this is a lot to take in and- Who are you talking to? This connection works both ways. You just have to think the words and I'll understand you. I'm scared, Luna. I'm just a normal girl. I can't be Sailor Moon. But you are. You were Sailor Moon before and you're Sailor Moon again. Again? Use your powers, Usagi. Rid Juban of this monster. Morga lunges at Usagi as Luna tells her an attack to use against the monster, and the newly transformed hero nearly avoids Morga's elongated, flailing arm. Usagi readies herself to attack when a sudden sweep of Morga's other hand knocks her off of her feet. She's thrown back and hits her head on the wall hard. Sailor Moon! Morga whips her head to face the cat and locks eyes on her immediately. <laughs> I've always enjoyed the blood of a little kitty cat. Luna meows in horror, Usagi struggling to will her body to regain control. She struggles to move as she sees Morga outstretch a hand and wrap her tree branch fingers around Luna, lifting her up and laughing wildly. Luna! Morga's jaw inhumanly widens on a broken hinge as she prepares to swallow Luna whole. Suddenly, a flash of pale yellow light comes from the front of the store, blinding the entire room in a womb of warmth. In a panic, Morga drops Luna and the cat bounds over to Usagi quickly. Usagi finally wins the war over her limbs and staggers to her feet. The light recedes and the three of them look to the open double doors of Osapi to see a man with his hand open, facing Morga. The light retreats into his palm. He's wearing a black tuxedo, complete with a a top hat, white gloves, a shiny gold medallion over his chest, and a white mask not unlike Usagi's own. His blue eyes shimmer, and as Usagi stares into them, she feels warmer than she had when the light had slipped over her. How dare you attack this jewelry store creature? Leave the city of Juban alone! Morga growls at him, throwing her growing arm at him, but he dodges it and lands right next to Usagi. He smiles at her. 
Sailor Moon, now's your chance. Use the attack! Barely able to tear herself away from the masked man, Usagi nods and sets her sights on Morga as the creature gets ready to attack them both. Usagi holds out her arms in front of her, both palms facing directly at Morga. Power wells up from within her, feeling like an abyss of cool light running through her body. She harnesses all of the energy and wills it to her hands, tingles, dancing along her palms as she shouts. Moon Crescent Flash! Two wide beams of moonlight flow from Usagi's hands, shining iridescent power that is both blinding and pleasing to look at. But when the beams hit Morga, she screams in agony as they sizzle her skin and rip at her flesh. In a flash of moonlight, Morga explodes, dismantling an entire jewelry display. All that's left behind of Morga's existence is a pile of ash right where she had stood moments ago. Usagi looks over to the man in the tuxedo. Who are you? He chuckles lightly and gives her another smile. Usagi feels like she can deep dive into those blue pools he has for eyes. <laughs> you can call me Tuxedo Mask. He starts to walk away, but looks at Usagi over his shoulders. I'm sure I'll see you again, Sailor Moon. A protest bubbles within Usagi, but he darts out of the door and is absorbed by the shadows before she can execute the words. Luna happily trots over to her. You did it! I knew you had it in you, Usagi. Thanks. I think this is just really, really weird. Let's get to Naru and her mom and make sure they're okay before the cops get here. Right. Usagi and Luna head toward the back of the jewelry store, making sure they can assess Naru and her mother before they are bombarded by the police. An hour later, Police Chief of Juban, Natsuna Sakurada, stands outside of OCP as one of her officers is finishing the written statement of what happened here tonight from Mayumi Asaka and her daughter. She rolls her eyes, knowing what the report is going to say. The day was saved thanks to a vigilante calling herself Sailor V. Something along those lines had been written into every police report for the past two months. Sure, it was great that crime was down in Juban, but considering the fact that this sailor-suited assailant of crime fighting wasn't backed by the police, it simply made Natsuna angry. Her officer walks over to her, Mayumi walking her daughter back inside the store. Let me guess, Sailor V. Actually, no. They claim to be saved by someone else. Who? Someone calling herself Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon? Another one? Natsuna groaned. Her superior was not going to believe this. And even though these sailor girls were making her job physically less stressful, it was turning the corporate part of it into a living nightmare. It was in moments like these that she wishes she had gone into teaching like her sister. Back home, Usagi flops onto her bed, exhausted, with Luna taking refuge with her. They had gotten back inside the house the way they left, by Usagi floating up and Luna being able to jump at abnormal heights opposed to that of a normal cat. And luckily, she's learned from Luna that all she had to do to detransform herself was to magically summon the Moonstar wand and wave it over herself, which she had done as soon as they had gotten back home. Usagi lets out a grunt of annoyance. Please tell me I never have to do that again. Quite the opposite. You saw that monster, Usagi. It came from somewhere, and someone told it to attack. The enemy, whoever they are, are using Jabon to enact some sort of evil plan. As Sailor Moon, you have to help them. But why? Why me? Why do I have to be Sailor Moon? Why do all of this? Oh, it's a very long story. Then it can wait until tomorrow. I'm tired. No time to sleep, Sailor Moon. 
Usagi and Luna lock eyes, hearing the voice but neither of them having spoken. They both look to the window and make haste to investigate the owner of the voice. Just outside the window, they see a beautiful girl around Usagi's age. She has long blonde hair, perfectly cut bangs, and a pretty red bow in the back of her hair. Her blue eyes shimmer, and she's in an outfit just like Usagi had been in when she had transformed into Sailor Moon. Where Usagi's outfit was mostly white and gold, this girl's has a white base but is embellished in orange. Orange skirt, orange sailor collar, orange circle on the front with a much different symbol than Usagi's. She floats toward them, and Usagi and Luna scramble to get out of the way so she can flutter into the bedroom. Behind her, a white cat bounds after her, with the same upturned crescent moon mark that Luna has on her forehead. His green eyes twinkle expectantly. Usagi looks scared as she takes in this stranger, transformed like she had been earlier, and standing in her bedroom. Who are you? The girl chuckles lightly. <laughs> Sailor V, nice to finally meet you, Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon, the audio series, Season 1, Episode 1. Starring Misha Horn as Usagi Tsukino and Queen Beryl. Babs Jennings as Ikuko Tsukino. Inexi as the newscaster. Jennifer Oven as Haruna and Natsuna Sakurada. Maddie Lewis as Naru Asaka. Solitary Knight as Morga. Robert Decker as Jadeite. Lauren Harrison as Guryo Umino. Terrence Moon as Mamaru Chiba. Justin Gray as Shingo Tsukino and the police officer. Ladasia Bosiak as Luna. And Michelle Marine Rodriguez as Sailor V. Written, edited, and narrated by Justin Gray. Opening theme by Brooke Surgener. Sound effects from freesound.org and background music from the original Sailor Moon anime. Sailor Moon the Audio Series is a fan production based on a work by Naoko Takeuchi and Toei Animation. No copyright infringement intended. <laughs>